It is, uh, I love being here. I love the, the uh, uh, just the noise of the conversations and all that. I love that there are 200 men who uh, wake up early on a Tuesday morning and, uh, and are here wanting just, uh, I assume that we're all in the room because uh, we want to be really great dads. And uh, I don't think any of us woke up this morning just going, man, I can't wait to be the worst dad possible today. And yet, uh, in the midst of our brokenness and sin and everything, uh, man, we, we struggle and we need one another. And so I'm so encouraged that you're here this morning. And, uh, and I hope that this morning will help us uh, to, to really just represent our God in our families, in the ways that we love our children and the ways that we sacrifice for our spouses. And I hope this morning is, uh, is useful towards that end. Just as a reminder uh, of uh, why we gather each month for Dad U, it's, it's just this. So there's a, a few kind of basic principles. One is just that we believe that uh, we as Christian dads, that we have one primary role. And that primary role is that of a disciple maker that uh, we are making disciples each and every day. It's just a, a question of what kind of disciples are we making? And, uh, and then on top of that, to understand that uh, the goal of our discipleship is not little disciples, though we hope that that's what comes out of it, but that really our goal is just our own faithfulness. Hey, what does it look like for me to be faithful today as a disciple? We can't control how our kids will respond to our discipleship any more than Jesus controlled the disciples and the people around him that he was discipling but he continued to be faithful. And so those are the kind of men that we wanna be. We just wanna be faithful and to hear our father say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we believe that faithfulness looks like a few different things. It's four things. One is just that we model our faith for our kids. Two is that we train them up in the way of the Lord. Three is that uh, we pray faithfully for uh, God to do what only he can do in the life of our kids. And then finally, we just trust and we live in the peace that comes from us trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and not leaning on our own understanding. And so that's why we gather each month uh, here in Dad U, is just to remind ourselves uh, of uh, those things. And then uh, this morning, we're gonna tackle a topic that I think is uh, really relevant to uh, our culture and the day and age in which we live. And, uh, and so, uh, man, I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna ask you to pray for me as we talk about uh, this topic this morning and, uh, and just pray that God will uh, do what he wants to do with our time. So pray with me. Father, we thank you for uh, a chance to be here in this room. God, thank you for these men and for the ways that uh, just their, uh, their very presence this morning encourages my heart. Father, we uh, acknowledge to you that we are broken, uh, that we are in need of a Savior, and we thank you that we have a Savior uh, who has uh, lived out a perfectly faithful life and uh, has paid the price for all of our unfaithfulness. And so, Lord, I, I pray that um, if nothing else this morning, that we're just reminded once again that our identity is not in what kind of dad are we or what kind of kids can we turn out uh, in this world, but uh, that our identity is rooted in the fact that we are adopted sons of the living God. And so, Lord, uh, let's just start there. And then from that, God, as your sons, we want to represent our father. And uh, we want to represent you in the way that we are a father to our children. And so as we talk about this topic of uh, gender and sexuality this morning, God, I pray that our hearts would be aligned with your word and with your truth, that you would recenter our focus where it needs to be recentered, that you will uh, strengthen our, uh, our spines, Lord, and, and uh, Lord, just help us to stand courageously uh, in the way that we uh, fight for our kids and, uh, and for them to know uh, this God that, that we love and that we serve. So we pray that you would glorify yourself through our time this morning and encourage our hearts in Christ's name. 
Amen. Well, uh, several years ago now, it was about 10 years ago now, actually, my oldest son was five years old and my wife, Brandy, uh, took him out on a, a little date night. And so they got in the car and they're driving around town and headed to wherever you can see my cute kiddo. Uh, he's not that cute anymore, but um, he was cute when he was five. And, uh, uh, and so uh, they were driving around, it was uh, dark outside. And so Josiah's just kind of sitting in the back of the, the uh, car and he's looking out the window and he says, uh, says to his mom, Mama, I love the stars. He says, God is so cool to make the stars. And my sweet wife teared up with gratitude that God had given her this precious little sensitive heart that acknowledges the beauty of creation and, uh, and the wonders of all that God has done. And she was just so excited that, you know, maybe God had given her that kind of boy who would be sensitive and tender and all this. And so she, uh, you know, uh, wakes up to the kind of this teachable moment. And she says, yes, baby, the stars are beautiful. And did you know that God loves you more than all the stars in all the universe? So Josiah was just kind of quiet in the back for a few moments. And then he spoke up again. He goes, yeah, he goes, the stars are great. And it's so cool when they punch each other and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> you see what, what my wife had forgotten is that uh, just a few days before this, I had taken my son to his first ever stars game. I had a very generous friend who gave us, it was a preseason game. We got tickets right behind the goalie up against the glass and I'm telling you guys, like the best fight in all of hockey history, I think broke out right in front of us. The cleanest punch I've ever seen landed, landed square in this guy's nose and blood went everywhere. They had to like scrape the blood up off the ice. And so my little boy was not that sweet, tenderhearted, oh, look at the beauty. He was like, man, let's go punch somebody. And I tell you that story this morning because it is such a, a great illustration of what we kind of typically think of when we think of boys versus girls, right? We think of you know, girls as being kind of these tender, uh, emotional, sensitive types. We think of boys as being rough and tumble. And, and sometimes we, we really uh, find comfort, quite frankly, in that. We find comfort in just going, man, okay, there's something kind of right with the world, right? Uh, and yet what we need to understand is that with all the clarity that, uh, that we long for there to be in this world, right now in our world, there's a lot of blurry vision on what it means to be a, a, a male and what it means to be a female. So our culture is screaming at us things like, hey, gender is not uh, about your biology. It's about what is going on in your heart. And what you feel and, 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 you know, do you really feel like a boy or do you really feel like a girl? And these are some of the messages that are being sent out to our kids and uh, into our culture through television and entertainment, uh, through teachers and public schools and, uh, and uh, just through all sorts of mediums. These are some of the messages that our kids are being bombarded with. And what we need to do as men who go, hey, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm raising up disciples, is that we have to help our kids get the clarity that God intended for them to have in this world. And so the only way that we do that, it really just first starts with helping our kids to understand a biblical worldview. So much of what we'll talk about here in Dad U this year really boils down to that. Hey, do I have a biblical worldview? When I think about uh, how to, to view the world and how I want to help my kids view the world, do I give them a biblical worldview? And so there's really kind of these five points of a biblical worldview. It's just this. It's kind of the narrative of Scripture. It's one that God created everything, that what he created is good, but that sin broke everything that God created that God then redeemed creation through Jesus Christ, through the death of his son, 
And that ultimately, one day, praise God, he will come and he will restore everything to the goodness for which he intended it in the first place. And so this applies to gender. It applies to sexuality that, that this idea of gender, uh, in fact, what's really interesting is gender, the word itself didn't even exist until uh, really, relatively speaking, just a few years ago. Uh, we just understood sex. You'd, so sex, male and female. And gender is kind of this social construct, but sexuality is not a social construct. It is a divine construct that God himself has given us that when he created, he created what? Male and female, and he created them good. In fact, after he created male and female, he said, man, that is very good. It's the only object in all of creation where he said, that is very good. And yet sin in Genesis 3 scarred and put a, uh, put a stain on everything, including gender. Even the way that Adam and Eve re, uh, uh, related to one another in, at that time, you see the brokenness of it all. And so ever since then, we have been walking around in a broken state of creation. We've been walking around in a broken state of understanding what it means to be male and female. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. And certainly today, we see it in our own lives. You see, all of our sexuality and gender is broken and all of our kids is broken as well. And until we understand that, we can't really make sense of the world around us, right? But the biblical worldview is the thing that gives us the ability to see the world and go, oh man, that makes sense. You see, if you woke up this morning thinking, man, we're gonna talk about gender because I've, just, I've never seen anything like it. There's never been a moment like this in, in all of history. Well, you haven't been paying attention to history because this is something that's been going on for decades and centuries and all the way back to really Adam and Eve. And so how do we help our kids understand what God's intention is for gender and for sexuality. And this morning, I just wanna give you really quickly, I wanna give you four ways that I think we as dads, see there's so much in this topic that we can't control. You can't control what uh, your kids are gonna be exposed to, what they're gonna see all the time. You're gonna walk into restaurants and think, man, this is a great restaurant. And you're gonna sit down and something is going to, uh, uh, you know, a, a waiter or waitress is gonna walk up to your table that, are, that uh, maybe has identified as a transgender individual. And you're gonna have to go, man, how do I help my kids understand that? We can't control that. But what I wanna talk with us about this morning is what we can control. And that is just this idea of being faithful in this space. And so I want to make the point that gender healthy kids are made by, and then give you four things, M-A-D-E, made. Okay. So the first thing is this, gender healthy kids are made by modeling your role. You see, I can't tell you how many times I, uh, I see and recognize that the reality is one of the best gifts that I can give my children is for me to be the man that God has created me to be to be a faithful man, to be a faithful husband to my wife, to work hard at my marriage. And so for us, understanding our role is, uh, and, and modeling that for our kids, we have to understand that we wanna be molded by the scripture, molded by the truth of God's word so that we know what does it look like for me to be a man? And so we turn to places like Ephesians 5 and we turn to places like Titus chapter two that helps us to understand what a, what a faithful woman of God looks like or Proverbs 31. And we teach our boys and we teach our girls these things, but more than that, we model it for them. We allow our own hearts and lives to be informed by God's word. And then we model it in the way that we relate to our spouses and with people of, uh, of the opposite uh, gender. Uh, treating women with 
uh, equal dignity and value and worth, and yet understanding the distinction and the distinctiveness of our roles within that. And so the first and best thing, quite honestly, that I think we have to do as dads, as men, is to model these roles for our kids. So gender healthy kids are made by modeling your role. I, I will, uh, in the email that you'll get later today, you'll get uh, Todd's uh, five characteristics of a godly man and five characteristics of a godly woman. If you're just going, man, I don't even know where to start. Man, that's a great place to start to understand what does it look like for me to be the man that God has created me to be. So the second uh, thing here is that gender healthy kids are made by avoiding gender stereotypes avoiding gender stereotypes. We need to admit that our ideas about what is masculine and what is feminine are largely shaped by the culture around us. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just go to a foreign country sometime and watch how differently the men interact with one another in a way that you go, man, if that guy was in America, we would think all kinds of things about him or about her. And yet we understand that, man, there's just something unique about our cultural moment that, uh, that when we start to think about masculinity and, and what it means to be a female, that we are uh, wired by just what our, uh, our experiences have been rather than rooting it in the word of God. And so oftentimes we think about the gender spectrum, if you will, and, and there's that traditional gender spectrum, right? Where you just go, okay, there's, uh, there's the masculine end of that spectrum and there's a, the feminine end of that spectrum. And yet that's just not really uh, an appropriate deal. So we've always told boys, hey, boys, get in touch with your what? Feminine side, right? And what do we mean by that? Well, typically we mean, hey, get in touch with that sensitive side or that tender side, the artistic side or whatever. But man, is that really feminine? And so what I want to encourage you, Sue Boland wrote a great article that several, several of us have used uh, for a while now, just talking about the gender spectrum. And she just points out that the reality is that there's not just one gender spectrum, there's actually two. There's two gender spectrums. You see, there's a masculine gender spectrum and boys can show up anywhere along those lines. And so you do have kind of the typical, if you will, rough and tumble. And I, I hesitate to even use the word typical because I don't know how typical that is. But you have kind of the, the rough and tumble boy who's just always going. And then you have those boys that, uh, man, they, they tear up at the drop of a hat. They're sensitive, man. They love the arts and they would rather, uh, you know, grab a, a paintbrush and, a, and a, a canvas and paint than go and run around and, and throw a ball around. Then you have girls that are on kind of the, the opposite ends of that spectrum right? Where you do have kind of the girly girl, if you will, loves pink and lace and all the things that come with it. And then you have those girls that, man, they would rather just climb up in a tree, scrape their knee and, and uh, you know, play tackle football with the boys, right? And yet what our kids need to understand is that wherever they are on that spectrum, they are 100% male or they're 100% female. That there's nothing about either end of that spectrum or any combination thereof that makes them less than what God created them to be. But when we embrace cultural stereotypes, we create confusion with our kids who don't fit into that stereotype. And so we just wanna be cautious as dads. We need to understand that even the Bible gives, gives examples of men, even Jesus himself, you look and you just go, man, Jesus was uh, at one point in time, like this tender, hey, kids, come climb up in my lap and let me love you and encourage you. And in the same breath, he would turn around and flip tables over, over and grab a whip and chase the money changers out of the temple. You see David, who was uh, both a warrior fighting off Goliath and a harpist that soothed the soul of Saul. 
And so we need to understand, to help our kids understand that there is a spectrum here. And one of the practical ways that we have done this in my family, my wife has been so good about this from the word go, is just really avoiding kind of the gender jokes. So I'm a guy, I grew up on Sandlot. You throw like a girl, you play baseball like a girl, right? And everybody laughs and thinks that's funny and uh, all that. And yet, man, when we say that, what we do is we uh, either disparage the other gender in some way, or we create an insecurity in our children that goes, well, man, maybe I am a girl. And in this cultural moment where we are being told, hey, you can choose, that creates a lot of confusion for our kids. And so I just wanna encourage you, man, how, what are the things that you're laughing about? And are you ever saying, hey, don't cry like a girl, right? And avoid those types of gender stereotypes. So gender healthy kids are made by modeling your role, avoiding gender stereotypes. And the third is just delighting in your children's uniqueness. Psalm 18, 19 says, he brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Men, you need to know this, that God doesn't just love you, but he actually likes you. You bring joy to his heart. You bring joy to your father's heart. And here's the question for us is, do your kids know that they bring joy to your heart? Are you delighting in them in such a way that it's just this constant, relentless barrage of encouragement? See, my personal confession is so often my, my natural inclina inclination is critical. And I, I don't want to be the harshest critic for my kids. I wanna be their biggest cheerleader. That's what I want to do because I want to delight in them the same way that the father, when I needed to be rescued, delighted in me. Uh, recently, I watched, and I would encourage you, if you haven't seen it, the, the new Mr. Rogers documentary uh, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And in that, he, there's a, a whole segment in that documentary where it just talks about how Mr. Rogers had this phrase where he just said to pretty much everyone he met, stagehands, kids who came on the show, all that, look, I like you just the way you are. I like you just the way you are. And our kids need to hear those things from their fathers in the same way that we need to hear, hey, we have a God who delights in us. And so for us as dads, that means loving the things that they love. It means for us, a lot of times, sacrificing the things that we love so that we can love the things that they love. For some of us men, just loving the things our daughters love that maybe we're not so inclined to. My daughter loves art. I can't draw a stick figure well. Okay, and, uh, and so I, it's hard for me to uh, love and appreciate art the way that she does. But this weekend, I made it a point because the Cottonwood Arts Festival was right in our backyard and said, hey, Sayla, come on, let's go. And yes, I would be happy to sit here and watch you paint or sculpt that little pottery thing. And I don't enjoy that, but I know that my daughter does and it gives me delight to watch her enjoying that. And so what is that for you? with your boys or your girls, where you just go, man, I, I'm gonna have to sacrifice some things. So gender healthy kids are made by modeling your role, avoiding gender stereotypes, delighting in your children's uniqueness. And then lastly, it's just this, it's empathizing with the broken. Empathizing with the broken. I love uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 is one of my favorite passages. And in it, we just read Paul saying, don't you know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, and on and on and on he goes, will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, and such were some of you. 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So men, what we need to do in this topic and around this topic is to understand that our brokenness is no different than the brokenness that is out there in this world and that the, the people who struggle in ways that we can't even fathom struggling personally are struggling with the same sin desire that comes from the fall that you and I struggle with uh, within our own sexuality. Once again, all of our sexuality, all of our gender is broken. It's just a matter of how that is manifest. And so we need to help our kids and help them to understand and make sense of the world and the way that we empathize with the broken rather than demonizing the broken. See, so often we are, uh, especially in this cultural moment of uh, social media and Twitter and all that, I mean, it's just quick to, to throw out hot sports opinions about uh, a great variety of things without first taking the time to go, man, how do I love the broken. The other day we were sitting uh, uh, watching TV together. It's hard, I know, these days to find things that uh, are good to watch together as a family, but we turned on a show. We thought, this is a good one. It's called Worst Cooks in America. Great show, by the way. Uh, and you'll laugh a ton, but they, uh, it's kind of this reality show, competition, all that. And so this particular episode, there were a couple of contestants left. They said, hey, we're going to bring in these mystery judges. And so they began to bring in the mystery judges for all the contestants. And so it was a spouse, it was a, a mom, it was a, uh, you know, a, a brother. And then the very last one uh, was, hey, and then here is his boyfriend. And my son Malachi kind of went like that, flinched a little bit, and he turned around and he goes, Daddy, did he just say he has a boyfriend? I go, yeah, he does. Well, he goes, well, I, don't, I don't get that. And he and I just had a, a great opportunity just to talk about what would it, uh, what's going on in that man's heart and, and how is uh, the thing that's going on in his own heart the same thing that goes on in my heart when I want things that I know are not of God and I think those things will help me in the same way that my son Malachi wants things that are not the things of God and yet they break his heart. And so for us, helping our kids to empathize with the broken rather than going, yeah, man, isn't that guy weird? See that same joking thing that we talk about, hey, you know, don't be such a girl. We, we've done that so often. I grew up in that day and age. I'm sure many of you did too. We're just going, oh man, that's so gay. That's so gay. And yet even that is not helpful because it begins to uh, draw a barrier or put up a wall between us and them. As opposed to going, man, we're all, we're all in this together. This human experience is something that we are all in the midst of and we are all in desperate need of a savior. And so gender healthy kids are made by modeling your role, by avoiding gender stereotypes, by delighting in your children's uniqueness, and then by empathizing with the broken. And so in conclusion this morning, our children need to know that they have been made in the image of God. And that what God has made is good. And that when he made them, he looked and said, man, this is very good. Whether they are male or female, what God created is good. And so these are just four ways that I think we as dads, very simply in the things that we can control, where we can do our kids a great service and we can further the kingdom of God in the way that we shepherd our kids. So let me pray for us and I'm gonna bring up some friends so we can continue to, to talk about this. So Father, we love you and we thank you that you are our good God and a good creator. And, uh, and so, Lord, I, I just pray for us as we think through how we can shepherd our kids and love them and, um, and point them to what is good and right and true and lovely. God, uh, I pray that you would give us wisdom in knowing how best to do that. And so, Lord, whether you've given us uh, boys, girls, some of each, Father, help us to shepherd their hearts. 
And, and Lord, help us to um, uh, model for them what it looks like just to be faithful in this way. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you guys will welcome uh, my guest uh, this morning. So let me introduce these guys to you if you don't know them. Uh, so first over here on the far end is my buddy Eric Barr. And so Eric and his wife Jackie uh, have been married for 26 years. I think we've got some pictures up there. Uh, so there they are. And they've got two boys. Uh, so Ryan is now 21, so he's a little older than that. There we go. Uh, so there's uh, Ryan is 21. He's living here in Dallas working in residential real estate. Patrick is 18, a senior at... Uh, is he at Highland Park? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so, and they uh, uh, love to entertain friends and family at their beach house, or at their beach house, their lake house. Do you have you a beach house too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, their lake house. And then they love putt-putt, apparently. Is that right, Eric? There you go, man. Oh, awesome. And then uh, many of you guys know Kyle Kegler. Kyle is our uh, uh, Plano campus pastor and uh, is a good friend. He and I have gotten to do ministry for a long time together. And so uh, Kyle and his wife, Trish, have been married for 27 years. Uh, you did really well, my friend. And uh, has three beautiful daughters. So his twin girls, uh, Kaylee and Kelsey, are 23. Kaylee is uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina right now uh, as, as a mechanical engineer there. And then Kelsey, I love this, is the women's director at Pine Cove Timber. So if you send your kids to Pine Cove this summer, uh, more than likely uh, Kelsey will have an impact on your girls there. And then Kendall is 21 and is a junior at, I hate to say this, but Texas A&M. Okay, wow. It's, it must be early for all the Aggies this morning. Uh, that, was, that was really soft and weak. So uh, <laughs> just comparatively, I just expect more. So, uh, so look, uh, you know, one of my goals with Dad U is just to share men with you who have encouraged me in my walk uh, and, uh, and in my uh, life as a dad. And these are two men who have done that. And so I want to give you a chance to hear from them. And so, Kyle, we're just going to walk back through kind of those four points that we just covered. But I'd love for you to talk about, you know, I know part of your story is growing up without a dad. And I know probably some of these men have a similar experience. And so we talked about uh, rooting our role as men in our home uh, you know, and just living that out. So how did you um, really learn what it meant to be a man and then lead out in that in yeah. your family? Yeah, so part of my story is that uh, I had kind of a messed up dad growing up, and then at the age of 15, he left. I never saw him again, and he ended up passing away without that relationship being reconciled. Kyle, so me, I had a... Let me grab your microphone, sorry. Uh, Make sorry. sure we're on. Okay, great. There we go. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't need um, so he, he left. That relationship wasn't unreconciled. So I really did have a really big dad wound. Uh, one of the reasons I went to Regen a couple of years ago just to kind of work through some of that. But I would tell you, um, number one, God's word played a huge role in understanding what the perfect father uh, looks like. And so learning the character of God and how God loves, that was a huge piece. And I will tell you another huge piece. So Eric and I have lived life in incredibly closely for 15 years. Uh, and so Eric's had access to my life and has been there to say, hey, that was a huge win as a dad. And then, hey, you really screwed that up. Uh, in that moment when, so my, one of my deals, I grew up in the suck it up syndrome, right? And so early in my kids, my, my deal was, ah, suck it up, you know, to my girls, which is exactly what Wes explained that we shouldn't do, right? But, but so Eric was able to help me kind of say, hey, that's probably not the right way to shepherd uh, your daughters. So the importance of other guys, and then I'll tell you, um, my wife was a huge help in this area that was just able to say, hey, that's just, that's just not the way to raise girls. 
uh, right? And so there were times when I listened to that well. Uh, there were other times when I didn't listen to that very well, and it was a source of conflict in our family. But I would say those are the three, three things that helped me kind of fill that dad wound along yeah, the way. That's good. And so, Eric, for you and raising your boys, what were some of the, the points of emphasis in your home uh, man, hey, this is what it looks like to be a man. This is how we treat your mom. This is how we would treat a wife. And so talk, talk with us about that. Yeah, they, is that on? I think so. Yeah. Mine was on. <laughs> anyway, uh, our situation was a little different. I did grow up with a dad in household, so I had, uh, which was a great blessing, and had a dad that was present and available. Uh, so I had that modeled for me to some degree. Dad was a hard worker and, and gone a lot because of that. And so uh, I've tried to kind of pivot that and generationally change that. And then with our boys, just tried to build into them about trying to figure out about how do you interact and treat women from a young age um, and their moms specifically from the standpoint of that this is the woman that loves you more than anybody and how do you how do you treat her and handle her and so we talk a lot about just even as we do in marriage about love languages of mom and so we think a lot about that with the boys and just how do they honor their mom in that way and so from a very young age we would do things that really Jackie appreciated greatly and so whether that was surprising her by cooking dinner and just servantness or whether it was, um, oh, I don't know, just writing her notes and leaving notes for her or whatever. Um, Jackie was on a girl's trip one weekend. It was around Easter. She reminded me of this. I was like, I did that? Way to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't remember, like, two days ago. But she was on a gal's trip, and uh, there was an opportunity at one of the malls or something like that to have your, your kid's picture taken with bunnies. This is not my sweet spot. But for some reason, I thought that'd be a really good idea of just like something in an effort of like, hey, mom would love this. And so let's go do this. And so I took our youngest at the time. Patrick wasn't even born yet and had these bunny pictures. And Jackie still talks about it. And I'm just like, oh. So I think just in that from the standpoint of how do you find ways to honor and bless your mom, your wife and model that for your kids and for specifically for your sons in my situation and um, just find those and capitalize on them. Uh, in that way. And, uh, and for guys at times that's hard just because, you know, we're not wired that way, even just in our own pursuit of our spouses and our wives. And so, uh, how do we model that for our kids? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, an old story that's told about, uh, how they used to train bank tellers to spot a counterfeit. And the reason that we want to talk about this is because what they used to do then is they would just hand them stacks and let them for weeks handle actual hundred dollar bills. Right. And then after weeks of training, they'd slip in kind of the counterfeit. And when they would come across the counterfeit, they go, oh, well, that was a fake one. And so, so many times what we want to do in this gender conversation is we want to talk about the counterfeit. We really want to focus there as opposed to going, hey, the best thing that we can do is to teach our kids what is real and right and true so that when they see the counterfeits that are out there in the world, that they can go, okay, that, that, that's not what mom and dad modeled for me. That's not what masculinity looks like. That's not what it looks like to be a, a woman of God. So that's why I think that first point is so important for us. And so, Eric, let's talk about the, the gender stereotypes a little bit. I know you mentioned, as we were talking about this, just one of your boys who, uh, you know, is kind of on that masculine gender spectrum, you'd say, hey, he's, he's probably on both ends. Yeah. So talk about that yeah, a little so bit. Our youngest is, uh, I would probably say on that, uh, is a little bit of the rough and tumble, but as well, uh, I think Jackie and I began to see, or Jack probably, but we began to see the sensitivity side of him. And, uh, and Patrick was very uh, participation or partic uh, participated heavily in sports. And so just as a dad, I mean, I'm total stereotype dad from the standpoint of that I've got two boys and here we go. And, you know, I was an athlete and all those types of things. And so, uh, but Patrick really began to <clears throat> have this really sensitive spirit, which was different for me. 
thankful that my wife identified it early. And so even like at night or when we would watch movies as a family or something like that and some sad situation would come up or something that was uh, worthy of this, I'd look over and Patrick would be covered up and have the blanket over his head and and he would be crying over an issue in a movie or something like that. And I think my flesh would just kind of be like, dude, what's up? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And this is at five or six at a really young age. And, you know, thankfully my wife, who's just full of grace, would just be like, hey, just, you know, that is, that is a great characteristic of a young man that we want to continue to see develop. And, uh, and he has continued to develop that. He is still very rough and tumble and, and uh, very, you know, he's an aggressive 18-year-old boy, right? So does all that type of stuff. But he is a very gentle-spirited young man. And once the onion's pulled back a little bit, he is going to be a huge blessing uh, to a future spouse from the standpoint of the sensitive side that has developed in him. And then thankfully, my wife identified and that we've helped kind of develop. So, yeah. And he also has that artistic side. So he's a, he's a baseball player and, and does all that and, and is a big-time pitcher and all that kind of stuff. And then he also, though, plays violin in the orchestra. And so, uh, I mean, I can't spell violin. So I'm <laughs> like, uh, but it's awesome. And so I mess with him about he plays the fiddle. I'm a country music guy. So I'm just like, dude, you're Charlie Daniels Jr. Here we go. But, uh, but it is awesome just to see those things. And again, Jack was really helpful in him just developing that from the standpoint of that other side uh, of, of that spectrum. Yeah. So anyway, so that's Patrick. That's just one situation with him. That's really that's good. good. Yeah. And Kyle, same thing really for your girls. We, they, they kind of, uh, were on both ends of the spectrum. Right? Yeah. And so I would just say, none of us are going to get away from this. You can have one kid like Eric does that is kind of on both sides of the spectrum, or you can have three kids and you're going to have them on different sides. So I had one, you know, just to give you an example, a stewardship from early on is one of my daughters loves labels. She's on the creative side. And when it comes to clothes, she would spend, she'd pay $100 more for something just because of the label that was on it. And I had another girl that would shop at Salvation Army and be so happy. And so how do you shepherd both of those things? So I think, you know, my, one of the principles I hope you guys walk away with is we've got to be a student of our kids, right? We have got to learn how they operate in all these different areas. Is, is it creative, rough and tumble? Is it smart? And then somebody who has to really struggle at school and are they sensitive to feedback or are they just really, you got to get after them. Like my kids, how, how, their rebellion looks incredibly different. I've got one literally. So just to tell you, my kids are older, but this like two weeks, three weeks ago, my daughter looked at me, she's 21, she's at AM, and she said, hey, I don't have any problem with God's authority, I just have a problem with your authority. It's good. Yeah, good. I, I mean, so that's the, and the other, the other twin would just, we'd give her counsel, she's like, mm-hmm, yes, man, she'd listen, she'd seek it out, all that kind of, and then she'd just go do what the heck ever, after whatever she wanted to, <laughs> after she nodded and said, oh yes, I'm gonna listen, all that, then she'd just go do what she wanted. So we have to be a student of those things of our kids, and I think, where are they on that gender spectrum? It's really important to understand where that is, and then how they're, all that stuff, how they're wired, and then we've got a shepherd to that. You're not gonna be able to say, hey, my kid's this way, and therefore I've got it. There's no formula here, fellas. Yeah. 
It takes God's word, it takes deep friendships, and it takes listening to other, you know, your wife on how to do this. So it's a, it's a team effort. Yeah, yeah, your kids will not fit into a box. That's for sure. Uh, and whatever box is, so I know we have some dads out there that you're expecting your first kiddo, and, and you've got all these expectations already. I know that we all entered into fatherhood with expectations of what it was gonna be like when our boys are born, or would we have boys, or would we have girls, right. and uh, all that. And man, all those expe- expectations we've had to, on some level, uh, put to death for the sake of what is reality and of what is uh, a blessing and a benefit to our kids. And so in, in that vein, Kyle, uh, talk a little bit about this, this idea of delighting in your, your yeah. children's uniqueness. And I mean, you are such a great encourager. It's one of your uh, kind of strengths, uh, if you will. And, and, uh, and so how did you celebrate and encourage the things in your girls that you saw that maybe weren't even the things that you go, oh man, this, is, this was my expectation, this was my hope? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, part, part of the, one of the things that we did, I think was right, we did a lot of things wrong, but was we let our girls do a lot of different things when they were young to kind of help figure out, hey, what, what do you love? What are you wired? And, you know, I had this secret dream that I tried not to portray to my kids that they were all gonna be college athletes and I was gonna get to spend my life watching them play college soccer or basketball or, or whatever, and I had to work through that. Um, but we let them do a lot of different things And so most of the stuff that I did that I think celebrated them was just um, being super encouraged. So I'm a huge fan. I think facial expression and countenance and lighten up when your kids walk in the room and all that, I think that's huge. I think that's huge with your kids. I think it's huge just with anybody is that when your kids walk in the door and look, as your kids move into the teenage years, they will not respond to your countenance. Right, you can come and say, hey, I'm so excited to see you, so glad that you're home, and they don't even acknowledge you and, and walk to the back of the house, right? Uh, that, that happens a lot, but I, I think that's one thing. And then Trisha would have loved for me to be more planned and structured in my parenting, I think, and I was much more spontaneous. And so uh, she was work first, play later. I was play first, work later. Uh, alignment in our parenting is hard at our house, right, to stay aligned. But a lot of times I just, they'd come home and I would just say, hey, let's go grab a Brahms, right? Let's go do this. Let's, and so it was more spontaneous just to get time with each of those girls. And she's like, no, 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 they got to study. And I'm like, oh, it's 20 minutes. And it ends up being an hour, <laughs> right, when you come back. Um, but, but just, I think the encouragement um, and then just finding ways to date, look, I know this is not the right language, date your daughters and date your sons. Find time to be with them and celebrate. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, for both of you guys, we've talked a little bit about just the idea of sacrificing what we love on the altar of what our kids love and yeah. what they're interested in. And so talk a little bit about, I know Eric, you've got a story for your boys there, so... Yeah, so um, I love the outdoors and and enjoy being outside and outdoors, but I love a ball and a stick and anything that probably involves that more so. And so my oldest, Ryan, who's 21 now, came home, uh, I remember in elementary school, and just said, hey, Dad, we're gonna, I'm going to, some of the guys are going to do this uh, Cub Scout deal. And I was like, Cub Scouts, okay. Uh, I did that a couple times, like literally twice until they, <laughs> until they stopped serving brownies or whatever, and then it was back to whatever the sports thing was. And so I was just like, wow, okay, we can do this, right? And so I was like, are there any camp outs? And he's like, there's one. I was like, mm, 
Okay. <laughs> we'll figure that out. So uh, anyway, so Ryan progresses through that. And then all of a sudden this thing called Weeblows happens and they do this crossover and they get their Weeblow and, and whatnot. And so then Ryan comes home one day and he's like, dad, I want to pursue Boy Scouts. And, um, and I was like, okay, great. And so I had had a few friends, dads that weren't super close, but a little distance. And I was just like, what does this Boy Scout track look like? Like, what, what is it going to take of me? I'm selfish, right? Like, what, what am I going to have to? So in an effort of dying to myself, I go and meet with a buddy of mine. And he's just like, you know, Eric, you have got to fall in love with what your kids are passionate about. Or you at least have to pursue them. Similar to what Wes said about art and whatnot. And so I tried to do that, right? So Ryan was going to be interested in, in scouts. And so... Um, I, I died to myself. I said, great, I'll, I'll go to the first meeting and, and kind of figure this out. And, you know, these dads aren't kind of like me, but I'll figure it out. And it was all about me, right? And so that's the first thing, which I... He wasn't giving much help from his community because I was saying, hey, yeah, so Kegler send sending me, me pictures yeah. of the green socks up to your knees, right? That's what I was doing. I mean, Ke- Kegler's taunting me, so... Which I'm just like, dude, you're killing me. So, because I'm full uniformed up, right? I mean, like, I'm in. So here we go. And so... Golly, I still have offended text, all the probably. Boy Scouts out here. No, <laughs> so here's the great news about it. If you were to ask my boys now, um, their top ten memories, us as father and a son, both of them. Patrick got into it quickly. Watched Ryan and I get to go on campouts every once a month. Go get to adventurous things and go be boys and all that kind of stuff and do fun stuff. So Patrick jumped in behind in line quickly behind it. Uh, if you were to ask my boys their top 10 things, are the favorite things that they remember doing with dad, I would say probably six of them are scout related. And so I kind of had to realize like, oh gosh, I'm going to participate in this. And then all of a sudden it became top, one of the top things that we have done as a family and me with my sons. And so both of them have pursued that and finished that and completed that and have achieved what they wanted to achieve in that with uh, both of them getting eagle and all that kind of stuff. But scouting, which I went into with like, no way, uh, has become, I mean, I got to do some really cool stuff from the standpoint of doing backpacking trips and whitewater rafting and all kinds of crazy stuff. So anybody out there that does, does that. So all I'm encouraging there for is, is just start small on that stuff, but you have got to die to yourself on whatever those things are. And, you know, Kegler mentioned from the standpoint of, of, of with the gals, I mean, dads with daughters, you know, it's cute for a little while when you go to cheer competitions or whatever, but then I think it becomes a really big, uh, I hear, um, uh, it can become very tiresome. So being in a gym with 30, whatever, 3,000 screaming girls. Yeah. So, but die to yourself on that deal. So Scouts yeah. has been an amazing deal for us just because Yeah, of and I would tell you the side benefit just because I've watched Eric do that. He, that was a sacrifice for him. Uh, he and I both struggle with eating. That's a deal. Sorry, I just threw you under the bus, right? Uh, both struggle. But part of that Scout thing was it helped him stay in shape, stay fit, all that kind of stuff. There were just seasons when we were wrestling through that. And just there's a ton of ancillary benefits that you never see when you decide to sacrifice for your kid. God works that out in all kinds of other ways. Yeah. Kyle, what would you say are the ancillary benefits of knowing all the lyrics to High School Musical 1, 2, and 3? Yeah. Yes. So any High School Musical fans out there, uh, I could probably recite uh, the whole movie uh, for you. Uh, I'm also outstanding at Taylor Swift dance moves, right? I've done plenty of those uh, in the Proving. living room with yeah. my girl. No, we're not proving it today. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I would just look, I wouldn't choose to, to dance to Taylor Swift in my living room. I wouldn't choose to spend two hours watching high school m- musical 15 times. I just, I just wouldn't choose to do that. I was one quick example was I was on, I have a favorite trip of the year I do with some really, really good friends. It's three days. It's out at Possum Kingdom Lake and they're great friends and we have a great time. And right in the middle of that, Kelsey at four years old has a ballet recital, right? And so Trisha's like, this is big. And I'm like, I ain't doing it. I'm not coming home. It's four minutes of girls running into each other, right? That's all it is. I'm not doing it. So I I literally left. Kelsey knew I wasn't going to be there. So sorry, so sorry, so sorry. I get to the retreat, have a great time, am so convicted uh, by the Holy Spirit. And I just just told the guys, head, I got to leave. And so I left at five drove two and a half for three hours, watched for four minutes, girls bumping to each other. I was with Trish, handed her the flowers at the end. Kelsey was so surprised. She still talks about it. Got back in the car and drove another two and a half for three hours back to be with the guys. And it's just a thing that Kelsey, she remembers, right? And so there's just times when we've just got to, in a really good way, suck it up right? And deny, deny ourselves and connect with our kids in ways that they need to be connected with. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend uh, recently who just talked about how he interacts with, with uh, parents who just say, man, me and my kids just don't have anything in common. And, uh, and, and so some of it is just that, that simple, I just got to die to myself here. And then the other piece for us as Christians, right, is that what we do have in common is our relationship with Christ. And so if nothing else, right, just going, hey, look, I'm going to read this. Would you read it with me? And, and let's dialogue about that. And that, even that can just be uh, both connective tissue for us with our kids, as well as obviously great opportunities for discipleship and training up our kids in the way they should go. And we, we hadn't planned to say this, but look, I, we, we, successes and failures with our kids on discipling them in terms of formalized devotionals. We didn't do that, spontaneous stuff. We were just kind of all over the map. But I will tell you one of the coolest things that's going on now after staying with it for 23 years with my kids is every morning of the week now, uh, yeah, the only social media thing I know is Marco Polo right now. That's all I got. So, uh, if you, which is a kind of a video walkie talkie type deal. But every day, one of the five members of our family does a 60 second devotional. Uh, we just we just jump on Marco Polo and I'll say, hey, here's what God taught me this morning. Tuesday's Trish, Wednesday's Kaylee's is Kaylee, Kelsey's. Uh, Thursday, you know, and so it's just, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I never would have thought during the preschool years um, that that was going to that that was ever going to happen. And now it's an incredible blessing that we're able to talk discipleship and God's word and all that as a family. So, so we've just got a, a couple of minutes left. I do want to talk about that last point, just empathizing with the broken. Yeah. And so I know you guys both have, have had to navigate that with your kids and just friends and all that. So share just a little bit of how you guys have helped your kids to understand the brokenness that is around them and friends who have come out as gay or, uh, you know, or, or anything like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not an if, it's a when conversation for you, so um, from a preparation standpoint. And so we've had both of those situations with both the boys. Um, You know, my kids are, like Kyle's now, older. But uh, in elementary school, uh, we had uh, a similar type of thing that Wes talked about with the TV show, but uh, in our elementary school with Patrick, uh, there I I don't even remember what the situation was when he was initially exposed to it, but uh, two fathers showed up for an event and and realized that... um, 
wait, dad, there's, he has two dads? What, what, what's up with that? And so definitely had to shepherd him through that from the standpoint of just understanding uh, the brokenness there and, and what that meant at an earlier age because being a total control freak that I am, I, I like to have everything in a box and I'm going to just kind of walk him through it exactly when I'm ready to walk him through it. And that's not the way life rolls, right? So uh, just being prepared for that in another situation with another young man that uh, is a classmate of, of one of our sons that was a great, I mean, and it still is a great family friend and, and friend of him, his um, came out. Uh, came out of the closet and said he was gay. And so, um, you know, someone that we've continued to pursue and, and support um, but and love unconditionally, but at the same time just understanding that, that brokenness and just that his sin is the same as my sin. And so just that conversation. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a when, not an if conversation. And so just your preparation for that and at what age, because that is happening, as you guys know, younger and younger and younger about when that'll have to, the conversations will have to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, we um, our kids went to school through eighth grade at a private Christian school, and just let me be clear, bubble, it was a bubble, <laughs> right? Uh, but we decided that in ninth grade, we were gonna send them to our local public school, um, which the, the makeup of the school was basically 33% Hispanic, 33% black, 33% white, was kind of the makeup of the school. And so we're two months in, Kaylee's playing basketball, and she's in the back of the bus, and she's watching two girls make out in the seat in front of her on the bus. And so, right, shocking, right? But we just, so the good news is Trisha and I kind of freaked out with each other. We didn't freak out in, in front, of, front of the girls. And then we just kind of came back and said, hey, Kaylee, you've got an incredible opportunity to love those girls, to show them who Christ is, right? And so you just need to know that that's where our culture is going and you're going to see that more and more. And so we, we were able to shepherd her through that and teach them, hey, you want to you wanna move towards that. You don't want to run away from that. I've got this mental picture in my head as Christians that we need to be the people that move towards chaos and not run away from it. So whether that's a marriage blowing up or whatever, and I've got this 9-11 picture in my head of when the towers were falling and all these people were running away from it, the policemen and the firemen are running into the chaos. And so I carry this mental picture of whenever I've got a hard conversation to have with my wife or kids or something, that as believers, we move towards the chaos to bring the light of Christ. So we try to talk about that with my kids. And so what's really fun is that over the course of the next three years, my daughter had an incredible ministry with those girls and other girls that live below the poverty line and all that kind of stuff, just loved them and cared for them. And I mean, we had them at our house all the time and just had an incredible impact and has got great long-term relationships now with those girls after kind of the freak out moment. So. Yeah, well, that's such a good picture. I mean, wherever there's been chaos, right, in the world, whether it was disease or, uh, you know, even today, I mean, uh, if, uh, there's a statement going around right now that if you received a FEMA uh, thing in Houston, you've received it through a faith-based, through the people of God, you know. And, uh, and so I love that in this topic, on this topic, we can put that same type of hat on. Just go, man, what does it look like for us to, to rush into the chaos in a way that we bring light into dark places? So thank you guys uh, very much. Will you guys thank Kyle and Eric for me? And um, we're gonna give you a chance now just to spend some time at your tables, just kind of talking through this. So your table leaders have a set of questions. And so at 7.30 now, I'll come back up at eight and wrap us up with a few things. Uh, but let's uh, spend some time now just talking about